welcome to this week's sermon from C3 Church Narara. We hope you enjoy this message from Pastor Chris Brown. For more information or to contact us, visit c3church.narara.net. doing a series on the Holy Spirit and I want to read from uh, Ephesians 1 uh, verse 1 all the way through to verse 14. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. We could spend all day getting any no further than than, than right there, but we won't. We're going to read through. Even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love, he predestined us for adoption as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace, with which he has blessed us in the beloved. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will, according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ, as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. In him we have obtained an inheritance having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will, so that we who were the first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of his glory. In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory." Look, we're really only focusing on two verses here, but I couldn't resist reading that whole passage because it's one of several amazing portions of Scripture in the book of Ephesians. It is so rich and so full of promise and profound life-changing wisdom. You do well to read, if you haven't already, the book of Ephesians slowly, meditating on it, praying the prayers in it, Stopping, maybe reading a different translation or a modern paraphrase like the passion that is so popular. Uh, there's so much there. Talking about what God has done for us, who we are in Christ, our identity in him and how we should live in response to that. But we're just looking at the last couple of verses here because we're doing a series on the different metaphors that the Bible gives us to describe the ministry of the Holy Spirit. Last week, we talked uh, about uh, the Holy Spirit being described as water because of the life that he brings to us, the refreshment that is available for us deep in our spirit. Uh, and, and here you'll notice that he's described as a seal in verse 13. And along with that, that he's a guarantee. Did you see that, verse 13 and verse 14? It says, When you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, you believed in him and you were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. Who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory? So there's two things there, seal and guarantee. Let's look at seal first. You know, the Greek word used there described a... Uh, a ring, 
a, a signet ring or perhaps a private stamp. And these were used to um, prove or signify ownership or authenticity or, or, or someone's authority, as in letter writing or producing documentation of some kind. So you'd write uh, on a, uh, a, a scroll, it might be um, papyrus paper that they used, or it might be uh, a parchment, they dried animal skins and wrote with uh, ink, and then they'd roll it up, and then just where the edges meet, they'd get some hot wax, they'd pour it on, and then you would get your ring or your stamp, and you would seal it with your name and signature on it. And that would prove that you'd written that document or that that trust deed represented the property that you owned or that letter was from you. And of course, you hear about uh, the seals that are broken in the book of Revelation for the scrolls. Uh, and, uh, and, and, uh, and so this was something common in, in that time to describe ownership or authenticity. Yeah? And then, in fact, if you look on in the same book of Ephesians, um, uh, chapter 4, in verse 29, thank you, Keelan, let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up as fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamour and slander be put away from you, along with all malice. Huh. Again, really strong, clear directions on how we should live. You know, I've met so many people who say, oh, I just wish I knew what God wanted me to do. What's God's will for my life? It's like, well, read the New Testament. There's a whole, there's, it's enough to keep you occupied, <laughs> just obeying the commandments on how to live a decent life, yeah? <laughs> just, just, just working on your character and behaviour. Um, and... Uh, and then notice there, of course, that word sealed. So proving that we are owned by God, that we've been sealed at the point of salvation. And this is what Janelle was shared over communion. Amazing. Um, she's talking about our, the book that God's writing and what's, what's in the book. And, and there are some things we can be confident of. And one, of course, is salvation. And at the point of someone deciding to follow Christ, they're sealed in God. You know, in, in Bible times, uh, slavery was a thing. And, um, and of course, that could be terrible. Uh, people were purchased and owned by other people. It's a crazy concept. Uh, simply, if you had enough money, you could own someone. You could buy them at the market. And um, it's incredible. It lasted so long. Um, you know, only to a few hundred years ago. And... Uh, and you know, some would argue it still illegally occurs in different parts of the world today, still. Um, and of course, many were abused and suffered terribly, but occasionally a slave would be purchased by someone who was actually quite kind and caring, and the slave would become part of the family. They were owned by that person who bought them, but they ended up living a good life. They may even be freed, and there are accounts of slaves who were freed in families who then chose to stay in the family. And they didn't go running because they figured, this is where I've lived. They might have been there even as a child, and now they've got their freedom. They don't want to go anywhere because that's where their identity is. They feel part of the family. And even though they're set free, or even if they were a slave still, sometimes they'd be so welcomed, so looked after, so blessed, 
they found their home and their identity in that family. And that's pretty much what happens to us. When we're born again, we, uh, we've been bought with the blood of Jesus and, and we've been paid for with that, that sacrifice of Jesus. He's, the Bible talks about the, the purchase or buying us back. Redemption means to buy something and bring it back. And so his blood has paid for you and you have been brought and bought into God's family by his sacrifice. And we've been purchased out of a life of slavery to sin and now we're owned by God. In fact, in Romans 6, Paul says, you were slaves of sin, but now you're slaves of God, slaves of righteousness. And then he goes on, he says, look, I'm using human terms to get the point across. He's kind of qualifying the argument because he's, he's not wanting us to think, yeah, slavery to God is just as bad as slavery in the world. He's not saying, no, there's not an injustice here. It's not a negative. You're not going to be mistreated. It's wonderful. Um, in, in many senses, you are free. You're free from sin. But he's trying to say, but, but you've actually been purchased by God. You're owned by God. But it's a good thing. And that's why he, when you read that passage in Romans 6, he says he sort of qualifies the argument that he's using and explains, says, I'm, I'm using human terms to, to, to get the message across. Um, what he is trying to say is our identity changes. There's something about our place in the world that has shifted because as soon as we recognise our need for God, we repent, we turn away from our sin, turn to Jesus, ask him to come into our life, save us. At that moment, we're born again, we're justified, made right before God, receive eternal life, get a life of purpose, it's all happening, and right at that moment, the Holy Spirit comes, just like that wax seal, and he brings the presence and the person and the power of Jesus inside us. And, uh, and of course, his name is significant because Holy Spirit shows that there's a separation from an unholy life that we did live to a holy life that we live by faith. We're not automatically holy and perfect, but we are stamped by God to be on that journey called sanctification, yeah, where the Holy Spirit's working in us, growing in us, producing his fruit in us. And so we're on this new journey with this newfound hope and future that we're heading towards heaven. And of course, we're already in the kingdom of God. So we've been separated from this unholy connection in the kingdom of darkness into a place of holiness in God. And, uh, and of course, notice that that happens to you happens for you, it happens in you, but there's nothing you can do to earn it. And so this is just by faith. It's pretty cool because all we've got to do is just lean into God and we can be secure in that. And, and this should bring us security, that you can't be stolen and bought back or taken back by the devil. I'm God's property. He's, he's got me. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm God's property. I, I'm God. Which... Okay, you know, that, that's cool, but for 21st century Australians, maybe it doesn't sound that great if you're saying, what do you mean I'm, I'm God's? <laughs> I'm not anybody's. I'm my own person. No one tells me what to do. I've got rights, you know. <laughs> and so we, you know, we're big on me, me, me. I want to do that. I want to. Well, that's cool. You can live your life on your own and just see how you go when you die. Just see what kind of, you know, eternity you can deal conjure up for yourself or how you get on like the visitor we had a few weeks ago 
who did die had an after-death experience. And Ian McCormack, if you weren't here, well, you could listen to that podcast and look on his website and, and hear his story, how he saw hell and also experienced heaven and then came back because he got born again at the whole crazy time and came back to tell the tale, which he's been doing for years. Um, so for us, you know, we might want to just do life on our own, but we're smarter if we just say, yeah, God, you know best. I'm just, I'm laying down my life. I'm giving up my life. And, uh, you know, that's really the true Christian life, starting and ending with a total sacrifice of our lives, taking up our cross, dying to self, surrendering our lives, uh, and, uh, and saying, well, I'm, I'm no longer mine. I, I, I'm God's. Okay, that's the way it is. And Paul says this. I think we've got this scripture. You may know this well-known uh, verse, uh, Galatians 2.20. You got that up there? Mm, there it is. I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. The life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So he says, well, I, I'm not my own. It's not my life. I'm, I'm dead. I've died. But that's okay. Because that's the old man that's died and I've got a new life. So we die in order to live. But we do have to decide whether we're going to die. There's too many people purporting to be Christians who are really, you know, holding on rather than letting go. Staying alive rather than being crucified with Christ. And we've all got to make that choice. But the good news is, of course, it's not the beginning. It's just, it's not, sorry, it's not the end. It's just the beginning. You know, we die in order to, to, to live. We, we, we give up, but we, we gain so much more. And, um, and so we end up getting set into God's kingdom where he's ruling, he's in charge. The devil can't rule over you. You get put into God's family with a perfect heavenly father. We are recruited into his army where you've got purpose, fighting the good fight of faith. We're called into the church where we serve and are blessed and live with other people in community. Like Bethany was saying over worship, just being aware of that unity. She's just praying, I think, just aware that the unity. I thought, what a great concept. You know, we're all different backgrounds, all different, you know, you know personalities and shapes and sizes and thoughts and personality types and everything and and yet there's this wonderful unity we just brought it's the only thing that completely unifies people worshiping the lord and um and that happens and of course we're his living stones the bible says so we're growing and building to become a temple that god's presence dwells in and it just goes on the bride of christ we are uh, waiting for Jesus to return to bring his bride into eternity to the new heavens and the new earth. And all this is sealed by the Holy Spirit. That's all truth that you can keep in your heart. It doesn't matter what's going on around you. These are truths that are powerful and confidence building in, in our hearts. And, uh, and so I think that's, that's kind of cool. I just want you to be encouraged today. I want you to think when you leave today, yeah, it doesn't matter what's going on out there, right here, I've got a seal, I've got God's stamp, just like an old-fashioned wax seal. Just, you know, it's like a, uh, it's like a passport. It's, it's like, you know, you were citizens of heaven. It's part of your identity. 
Um, I, I've shared before how, uh, you know, when you travel, you get an Australian passport, um, you know, I think it's kind of funny. We've got, you know, a kangaroo and an emu on the cover and uh, it just looks friendly. There's something about Aussies that are just friendly and um, some passports look scary and serious and I don't know, maybe the later ones are black, but for a long time they were blue. It's quite a happy blue. And, um, and we, um, you know, I think you, you, you're aware of your identity as an Australian citizen or, or whatever citizen you are when you travel overseas, you know, because you're in somebody else's turf and this is your representation and this is your calling card, you know. And uh, once, you know, Ruth and I, when we lived in Russia, had a Russian car with Russian number plates and we drove to... Um, Helsinki, where we used to get the, the mail and money transferred from our home church in Sydney. And then we went to visit uh, where Ruth had lived in Denmark years before and we put the car on a, a ship that went overnight from Helsinki, I think, to Stockholm and then we are going to drive across to Denmark. And so we're queuing up, waiting for the big uh, ship to put all the cars in underneath, we're parking in our car, and a long line of cars. And... Um, and, the, uh, and then we heard these sirens and uh, these police were coming down and I, I saw in the revision mirror two cop cars and woo-woo and we thought, oh, look, someone's, you know, smuggling drugs or some terrible criminal. They're after somebody. Who are they after? Woo-woo-woo. <laughs> and they stopped right outside our car. And I'm like, it must be somebody else. Why would they park it? And they come over to, they come over to the car. And they're Finns, and I just remember they came and, and sp- spoke Russian because they'd obviously learned enough Russian and know the Russians weren't learning Finnish. <laughs> and, uh, you know, he came over and he put on his best serious... Passports, please, you know, put on his, uh, his serious tone. And I'm like... And I answered in Russian because I, he's speaking Russian. And then I snap out of it and go, huh, hang on. So then I speak in English because all the Finns speak English. I go, no, 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 we're Australian. And, and of course, they were the, the Russians, the Finns... If you know their history, they're not that friendly. You know, Russia took basically a third of Finland in 1941 and the Finns, not surprisingly, haven't really got over it. Uh, they literally, Stalin just took a whole bunch of their land, said, we'll have that, thank you, and don't argue. Okay. And they, they couldn't and it was just terrible. And the, the Finnish Prime Minister had to sign this treaty and just, oh, terrible story, you know. Uh, he, cursed, he said, cursed is this hand that signs this monstrous treaty and he died within three months. And, and just, just the, the pain and the shock and the, and the power of words. Uh, anyway, so the guy asked for our passports, ah, and they're all cranky because, the, you know, the Russians are involved in, you know, all sorts of stuff, some of them, not all, but some, criminals, and uh, as you may have heard. Um, and, uh, and so they were, you know, concerned about all sorts of stuff going on. And they think we're Russian because of the number plates and someone had reported them as a Russian car. Anyway, I give them the passports, and as soon as he saw the passports, his whole countenance changed. And he's like, super serious, Russian, give me your passports. And I go, hey, hey, And he goes, ah, Australia, ah, look at And they look at the kangaroos, oh, yeah, it's all good. And the same, and we had that all, we had a Russian uh, uh, border guards, the same kind of thing, you know, passport, bizarre How many times have I heard that? I just say it, it's so funny. Passport, bizarre I've heard that so many times. It's a serious knee-quaking kind of, they practice it at home, you know, I'm sure. You know, they, before they leave this morning, they don't, you know, they say to their kids, children, come, passport, pizzolta, oh, daddy, you know. Um, 
And uh, it's the same with the doors in the metro. The doors in the Russian metro slam shut and there's a voice that was recorded in like 1920, the deepest Russian voice, it was probably some opera singer or something, and they still use the same recording. You know, in Australia, it's got the doors are closing and, you know... The train on platform three goes to Cowan. First station, Barrera. Fence all stations. To... Remember, he used to say fence. Do they still there? Fence all stations to Cowan. I used to think that was hilarious, using British terminology with Australian accents. Fence all stations to Cowan. I thought, what's fence? You know, but uh, but in Russia, you hear. Boom, and the doors close. <laughs> and and I, I think the translation is basically, you know, be careful. The doors are closing. Boom! And the doors just slam shut. I've seen a mother and a daughter separated. The daughter's not yet in. No, the daughter's in. The mother's on the platform. And, and everyone's squeezing in. Boom! The door. And then they're off. And everyone's like, it's all right. We'll meet you at the next platform. Meet you at the next. And the little girls. And then, then someone will come around. It's okay. It's okay. okay. And sure enough, they get off with the girl. Anyway. Sorry, I'm getting carried away with silly stories, but God's got a J and a cross and an empty tomb or whatever imagery you want on your heart. So your passport that you might have physically on earth representing your citizenship, that's fine, that's cool, but it's temporary. But the permanent, eternal, wonderful thing is Jesus is embedded in our heart, yeah? We're sealed in him. Great confidence for that. That's your identity, regardless of nationalities or addresses or temporal stuff. The next word is guarantee. Let's just look at that. Back in Ephesians 1 again, he says, You're sealed and with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. So, and again, this is reiterated in other parts of the Bible. I think I've got 2 Corinthians chapter 1 up here for you to look at. God who establishes us with you in Christ has anointed us and who has also put his seal on us and given us his spirit in our hearts as a guarantee. Same word used there for seal and same word for guarantee. And the Greek word used for guarantee meant a pledge or a deposit or the beginning of purchasing something. So you, in the same way that you'd put security down or a deposit down, to buy something or to prove that you own something and you're um, purchasing something. So they would, they'd say, well, you know, here's the deposit and I'll pay the rest later or, or here's the beginning of what I, you know, promised to pay, just like we'd use a deposit. Um, and in fact, the NLT of that last verse says, uh, thank you, look, uh, the Holy Spirit has been placed in our hearts as the first instalment that guarantees everything he's promised us. And so the Holy Spirit's in you right now and he's bringing a confidence of all that God promises. And we, we live in this tension where we have the kingdom of heaven within us and we have confidence that we are walking with God and we, we receive promises and we stand on those promises. Sometimes we have to fight for the fulfilment of the promises. And then there are other times when not everything is fulfilled. And so we are saved and yet still being saved. We have been made holy, yet we are still on a journey towards holiness. We, we, we yearn for perfection and we're not yet there. We're in this sullied, dirty world of sin, but we are 
lights shining with glory and the hope of future glory in God. Yeah? So there's this, this sort of tension we live with and the Holy Spirit is this down payment or initial instalment of everything that will open up and be fulfilled as part of our heavenly inheritance. It's just like a rich person gathering the kids and the grandkids and saying, all right, kids, look, you know, maybe he's a property developer. He says, everyone, everyone take a photo. And they all get different photos of these amazing houses. And he says, these are the houses that I'm building you. Not quite ready, but hang in there. It'll be done soon. And you all get one. Kids are all like looking at the photo. And then he says, oh, and here's 100 grand each. You can go shopping, buy some appliances and furniture. Oh, and by the way, here's my will. Look, see, there's all your names. I'm not dead yet, but when I die, you get the rest of the fortune and you can share it all amongst yourselves. You'd leave that room with a spring in your step, wouldn't you? Those kids are like, yeah, they haven't got the house yet, but they've got this awesome sense of blessing and security about this home that they're going to go to. Well, of course, today we need to just stop and take a moment and realise I've got, I've got a pretty good home. I've got, I've got an address that I haven't yet moved into in heaven. You know, when you go house hunting, whether you're trying to rent a place or buy a place. I remember when we, Ruth and I first started trying to buy a house in Sydney in the early 90s, the housing market was going crazy, even more than it has in recent years. And uh, it was stressful. And, you, you know, you're trying to buy a house and you want to get a hold of something. We went to an open home where uh, there's dozens of people out on the lawn waiting to go into the house. Our agent meets us and he, he says, oh, yeah, we'll go in a minute. And he goes, and he comes back. He says, sorry, for, it's been sold. That guy over there just bought the house. And no one had even been inside. He didn't have a chance to look at it. It was just panic. It was like quick. You, there, were no wind, there were no photos in the windows of the real estate agents because they didn't have time to get them up. People were ringing up saying, you've got a house to sell. <laughs> Everything's being sold like that. And so there's this sense of crazy insecurity. But there, and then we ended up... Uh, hearing about someone that was going to sell their house and before it went to market, we met them and said, yeah, we'll buy it. And ah, you get your deposit down and you haven't got the house completely, but you've got the contract and the deposit and that's the promise of what you will get. And, uh, and, it's a, and, and it's a, there's a security and a confidence that comes with that. And of course, we have the Holy Spirit as the deposit, as the guarantee of everything that we're looking forward to. And even if you get a really nice house here on earth, it's never perfect, is it? You know, like there's always going to be a yapping dog next door or some neighbour or something that's not great. And that's okay because it's never meant to be perfect. Even if it is great, you're not going to be around to enjoy it in another 100 years or so. You won't need it for that long. Yeah? So we look forward to our ultimate home address that's got great promise, great blessing, no... no pain, no sin, no uh, suffering, no weeping, no, you know, no bad coffee, no highway patrol, no blue bottles at the beach, no cats. Sorry. I'm just being naughty. Sorry. Um, uh, I got nothing against cats. I was just stirring you um, but all the things we struggle with on earth right now, ah, you can cope with it because of the confidence of a great future. Yeah? We have hope. We have perspective. We've got energy in our life that, because we, we can face challenges 
that you have in daily life. You can face trials, tests. You can even face tragedies because the Holy Spirit's guaranteeing that it's all going to be okay. He's there saying, look, it's all working out for good. One day, look, even the greatest pain, greatest tragedy, greatest evil that might be felt on earth is just going to be swallowed up as we enter eternity with the Lord and, and washed away and forgotten. Now look at one last passage. Paul talks about this in um, 2 Corinthians. Let's just read this before we finish. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 1, he says, uh, We know that if the tent that is our earthly home is destroyed, we have a building from God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 1. Now verse 2 says, For in this tent we groan, Longing to put on a heavenly dwelling <laughs> as a tent. It does groan a little as you get older, doesn't it? Have you noticed that? Your tent is sort of groaning a little. You go for a bushwalk with the kids. There's Luke showing off and Keelan leaping from rock to rock. And you leap and the bones go, oh, what are you doing? Don't do that. So it's okay. So you get a walking stick, you get a you know, branch somewhere and you tread the knees for a little, little, gro- little good groan now and then, you know. Um, it's okay, it's just longing to be put in its heavenly dwelling. Because yeah? tents, even the best tents, fall apart. So you've got to look after your tent, you know, eat well, exercise, look after the tent, make, care for it. But even the best tents are not going to last forever, and that's life. And it says, if indeed by putting it on, we may be found naked. For while we are still in this tent, we groan, being burdened, Not that we would be unclothed, but that we would be further clothed so that what is mortal may be swallowed up by life. He who prepared, he who has prepared us for this very thing is God who has given us the Spirit as a guarantee. So we are always of good courage. We know that while we are at home in the body, we are away from the Lord. For we walk by faith not by sight. Yes, we are of good courage and we would rather be away from the body and at home with the Lord. Wow. You hear that? Verse 5, it says, He's prepared for us all this and He's given us the Holy Spirit as a guarantee. So even though the tent might groan and creak a little, it's, it's okay because... What is mortal will be swallowed up by life. And so we can live with this hope, security and confidence that, that we are owned by God, sealed by the Holy Spirit, carrying a promise of future glory and the presence of God and the perfection of heaven. We can't be taken back. We can't be stolen or brought back by the devil where we were. We're secure. Holy Spirit's in us. His life, forgiveness, Salvation comes from Jesus to, to us through him and he's the guarantee of this future inheritance. Come on, let's pray and consider that as we finish. We hope you've enjoyed this week's sermon. For more information or to contact us, visit c3church.narara.net.